the Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wasteland. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Sophie Dollar. Thank you for joining us tonight, folks. That's what we're all about. Each and every evening, Monday through Friday, come apart, turn the radio up, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, and just listen to a 15 to 20 minute reading from the Bible, the book of books, the one book that is worthy of universal attention and that is worthy of being broadcast. Most of all, the understanding of the great truths that come to us out of the poetry, out of the prose, out of the stories, out of the commandments. We gather this clear picture of the true and living God and what he requires of us. We're not talking about religiosity, uh, although religion is one of the areas of our life that we bring to him and place at his feet. As God's people, we bring our entire life, our finances, our romantic life, our home life, our relationships, everything about us, our career choices, we bring before him, and that includes our religious life. We bring that to him and say, Lord, how do you want me to worship? How should I participate? Where is the congregation of people where I can contribute with my life and my influence and help others grow in their faith and work together with them to further your kingdom where I can be nurtured as well and fed and and encouraged in my growth? We're going deep, deep down to the very core, your personal relationship with the true and living God. That is what the Bible is all about. Tonight we finish the Gospel of Luke We're down to the final hours of the life of Messiah, his earthly life, his crucifixion, his resurrection. But before we get to our reading from the Gospel of Luke, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment on the Bible life. Proverbs 8, verses 1 through 11. Listen as wisdom calls out. Hear as understanding raises her voice. She stands on the hilltop and at the crossroads, at the entrance to the city, at the city gates, she cries aloud. I call to you, to all of you. I am raising my voice to all people. How naive you are. Let me give you common sense, O foolish ones. Let me give you understanding. Listen to me, for I have excellent things to tell you. 
Everything I say is right, for I speak the truth and hate every kind of deception. My advice is wholesome and good. There is nothing crooked or twisted in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those who want to learn. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge over pure gold. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can be compared with it. End of reading Proverbs 8, 1 through 11. Breathe on me, breath of God. Bring my life close to your spirit. Beat in me, heart of God. My soul's in prayer to be near it. Focus my this is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. And this is such a solemn moment in the life of Jesus the Messiah. We are coming now to those fateful moments for which he was born. He was actually born for this moment. He was born to die, being the special individual, the one human being in all the human race who walked out faithfully and perfectly the life of trust in the Father and obedience to the Father. Consistently, constantly, all through his life, and it came down to this. He would give his life in a seeming defeat for goodness and for righteousness, the Holy One of Israel, the only perfect pure and holy individual who ever walked the planet earth, the most loving, the kindest, the most just, right in all of his ways, gentle and yet stern and standing against unrighteousness and against prejudice and against injustice, against sin in whatever form, he, the one who is perfect, gives up his life. He is abused. He is tortured. He is spat upon. It's a kangaroo court. It's a fix from the very beginning. And yet he goes willingly to the cross. No man takes his life from him. He himself said, I give it willingly. Don't you know I could call 10,000 angels and they would liberate him and free him? And yet he allowed himself to be taken, to be abused, and to be killed. On our behalf, he did that for us. What a beautiful, powerful moment. And now we are called to give up our lives as his followers, as his people, By trusting in Him, our sins are forgiven. We are reborn. We become a brand new person. We are spiritually alive. And a new nature is placed within us with impulses and desires to do the right thing. We still have the old nature, of course. And there is this battle that we endure in this process called sanctification. But His life now flows in our veins. His spiritual DNA is in our veins. And we now walk and live, even as He did, by faith. And His power is at work in us and through us. That's the beautiful, powerful message we get from the Passion of the Christ. Let's read it together tonight from the last chapters of the Gospel of Luke here on The Bible Life. Luke 22:54 through 24:53. Luke 22. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's residence, and Peter was following far behind. The guards lit a fire in the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. 
Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know the man. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, someone else insisted, This must be one of Jesus' disciples, because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you are talking about. And as soon as he said these words, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered that the Lord had said, Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. And Peter left the courtyard, crying bitterly. Now the guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him. Then they hit him and asked, Who hit you that time, you prophet? And they threw all sorts of terrible insults at him. At daybreak, all the leaders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. Jesus was led before this high council, and they said, Tell us if you are the Messiah. But he replied, If I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I ask you a question, you won't answer. But the time is soon coming when I, the Son of Man, will be sitting at God's right hand in the place of power. They all shouted, Then you claim you are the Son of God? And he replied, You are right in saying that I am. What need do we have for other witnesses, they shouted. We ourselves heard him say it. This is the Bible, lie, with Soapy Dollar. Luke 23. Then the entire council took Jesus over to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began at once to state their case. This man has been leading our people to ruin by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, Yes, it is as you say. Pilate turned to the leading priest and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became desperate. But he is causing riots everywhere he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. When they answered that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas, because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction. And Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus, because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Now Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Then they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty, so I will have him flogged, but then I will release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him, and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for murder, and for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government. Pilate argued with them, because he wanted to release Jesus. But they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he demanded, Why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. I will therefore flog him and let him go. 
But the crowd shouted louder and louder for Jesus' death, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die, as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he delivered Jesus over to them to do as they wished. As they led Jesus away, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country just then, was forced to follow Jesus and carry his cross. Great crowds trailed along behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains to fall on them, and the hills to bury them. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. Finally they came to a place called the Skull. All three were crucified there, Jesus on the center cross, and the two criminals on either side. Jesus said, Father, forgive these people, because they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders laughed and scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's chosen one, the Messiah. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself! A signboard was nailed to the cross above him with these words, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So, you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you are dying? We deserve to die for our evil deeds, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the thick veil hanging in the temple was torn apart. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the captain of the Roman soldiers handling the executions saw what had happened, he praised God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw all that had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish High Council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he had been waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation for the Sabbath. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where they placed his body. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to embalm him.
But by the time they were finished, it was the Sabbath, so they rested all that day as required by the law. This is the Bible, live with Soapy Dollar. Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside. So they went in, but they couldn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They were puzzled, trying to think what could have happened to it. Suddenly, two men appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed low before them. Then the men asked, Why are you looking in a tomb for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Don't you remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. The women who went to the tomb were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several others. They told the apostles what had happened, but the story sounded like nonsense, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles out of Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Suddenly, Jesus himself came along and joined them and began walking beside them. But they didn't know who he was because God kept them from recognizing him. You seem to be in deep discussion about something, he said. What are you so concerned about? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did wonderful miracles. He was a mighty teacher, highly regarded by both God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders arrested him and handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had thought he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. That all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, Jesus' body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You are such foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted by the prophets that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his time of glory? Then Jesus quoted passages from the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining what all the scriptures said about himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus would have gone on, but they begged him to stay the night with them since it was getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took a small loaf of bread, asked God's blessing on it, broke it, then gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts feel strangely warm as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem, where the eleven disciples and the other followers of Jesus were gathered. When they arrived, they were greeted with the report, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. This is the Bible, live with Soapy Dollar. 
Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. He said, Peace be with you. But the whole group was terribly frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why do you doubt who I am? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he held out his hands for them to see, and he showed them his feet. Still they stood there doubting, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me by Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must all come true. Then he opened their minds to understand these many scriptures. And he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah must suffer and die and rise again from the dead on the third day. With my authority, take this message of repentance to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who turn to me. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. They worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. End of reading Luke 22:54-24:53. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. This is the Bible live. Thou shalt not go away. The things that we have read about tonight, the passion of the Christ, his ultimate sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, we can look upon them in awe. We can be astounded, and at a certain level we can understand that they are an expression of supreme love, devotion, sacrifice, generosity, kindness. It astounds us that he would die for us. It astounds me that he would give up his life to pay the penalty of my sin and my rebellion and my unworthiness. We are moved and stirred by it without a doubt. And yet, on the other hand, there is no doubt at all that we can only see very little of what really happened here. As fallen men in this world, we can truly only imagine what was really happening. He never traveled more than 100 miles from the place of his birth. He never owned a great fortune. He never led a great army. But this man, because of the manner of his life, because of his death and his resurrection, has become the central focal point of human history, the greatest point of hope that there is. And yet his influence goes far beyond earthly history, reverberating into eternity, into the spiritual realm. You and I can look forward to eternity. We can know that beyond the veil of death, he has led the way. With grace, with courage, he has said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then as he had told his followers, by faith he understood that he would be raised from the dead by the power of God. And he was. His body disappeared. 
there is no other understanding of what happened to the body of this first century rabbi. So prominently, publicly killed, then just a few weeks later proclaimed to be living. That is the crux. That was the heart of the argument. That was the heart of the presentation from all of the early disciples. From the book of Acts in chapter 2, where Peter preaches to the people, to Paul himself, who had this incredible conversion. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Messiah died for our sins, just as the scripture said he would. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said that he would be raised. He was seen by Peter, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by more than 500 eyewitnesses at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then later he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, though as I had been born at a wrong time, I also saw him for I am the least of all the apostles. All of the appeals of the apostles came down to this point. Finally, ultimately, everything revolved around this event. Jesus, this first century rabbi, was indeed that long-awaited prophesied Messiah. He fulfilled all of the prophecies, over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament by Moses, by Abraham, by others. Constantly throughout the Old Testament, there is reference to this one who would come, and decisively, definitively solve the problem of man's sin. So we try to point those out to you as we move through the Scriptures. The political background is amazing as well. Herod was in Jerusalem. He was the head of the government up in the north in Galilee. Pilate was the Roman-appointed governor of Jerusalem. These two were competitors, enemies, looking to their political and personal backgrounds, and you would understand why. But on this day, when Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate with the verdict of not guilty, the two had been enemies before, but they became friends, united in this drama of crucifying the Messiah. Well, once more, there is so much that could be said, so many details. I was struck by the dying criminal on the cross with Jesus. It seems that that criminal had more faith than the rest of Jesus' followers, his disciples. The disciples continued to love Jesus, but their hopes for the kingdom were shattered. Like Peter, they loved and admired him, but they did not understand still and they had lost all hope. Most of them had gone into hiding, and as one of the followers sadly said two days later, we had hoped that he was the Messiah that had come to rescue Israel. And by contrast, though, this criminal looked at the man who was dying next to him and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Would you not say the same to the risen Savior today? The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now, don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. 
Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 